Welcome to Reframe Your Life, a podcast for women who want to live and lead their lives differently and explore topics relevant to all areas of their life. Hi, Life Reframers. Sandy and I are here today with a very special guest for you. We are interviewing Courtney Carver. Courtney is an author and speaker who inspires people to find their way back to love by slowing down and simplifying life and work. She created the Minimalist Fashion Challenge, Project 333, which is featured in O, the Oprah magazine, and Real Simple magazine. Courtney was also featured in the movie Minimalism, a documentary about the important things, and it is available on Netflix. So we will be uh, including all of Courtney's links in our show notes. So we just invite all our life reframers to sit back and enjoy the conversation. So welcome, Courtney. We are both very excited to have you here with us today. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. I'm excited for our conversation. Hi, Courtney. It's Sandy. I actually went to see the Minimalist documentary when it screened in Toronto, and I participated in a podcast with the um, with um, is it Joshua and Joshua and Ryan Ryan yeah. yeah so it was great but I had been following you already so I I knew a little bit about what you were doing so it was great to see you in that in that film. And our podcast is called Reframe Your Life. So a big part of what we do with reframing our lives involves really reflecting on our lives and asking the people who listen to us to take stock of the choices that they're making and the way they're living. So we have a lot of things to talk to you about and we just want to jump in with a question about simplicity. So can you explain to us your definition of simplicity? I'd be happy to. It's simplicity for me has really been the tool to change my life in every possible way. And what I mean by that is if I think about every change that I've made over the last 10 years, and there have been many of them as I ask some of those questions that you mentioned are so important, uh, the thread, the common thread is simplicity. So for mm-hmm. instance, I simplified my living space by getting rid of clutter Uh, I simplified my money stress by getting rid of debt. Uh, So it seems like less is often involved. Not nothing, but definitely less. And I'm always interested and kind of curious and looking for ways to further simplify if it will add value to my life or benefit uh, my family and I in some way. Uh, So it's, it's interesting because it's not really the simple life that I'm looking for. It's having a life. And Mm. for me, that meant getting rid of a lot of excess and leaving what mattered behind. Okay, that's great. I love that. So I so you mentioned that you've been on this um, journey for about 10 years. What when was the first time you realized you really needed to simplify your life? I think I realized it many times before it actually happened. (laughs) Uh, Like we all do. We all get these wake up calls, right? And then kind of ignore them because we know it's really going to be an investment of time or energy to make a change. But in 2006, I was uh, diagnosed with multiple sclerosis after months of 
really feeling sick and having a lot of vertigo and fatigue and just worn down, worn out, worn down, overwhelmed um, with both my, my lifestyle and that diagnosis. And it was then that I realized things had to change. I just didn't know what was going to change or how it was going to change. But it was through those changes that I started making then that I recognized how important uh, simplicity was in that process. Yeah, and you mentioned um, in talking about simplicity that if it creates benefits or adds value for you and your family. So can you share some of the benefits it has brought to your family physically or spiritual? You mentioned financially as well. (laughs) I mean, emotionally. So what are some of the benefits that um, you and your family have um, reaped the rewards of, I guess, by living through simplicity? Yeah, how much time do we have? (laughs) I could talk about the benefits for hours. Uh, But it's, it's been such a kind of an exciting and crazy journey, because I never thought that any of these things that are happening to me now would be part of my life. Uh, And they all came from, again, getting rid of all the stuff that didn't matter to us. Mm. So some of the the most obvious benefits were yes, we became a debt free family, which was so exciting. I had never been debt free my entire adult life. Uh, It never occurred to me that I could live without a car payment, a credit card payment, uh, student loans. I just thought that was sort of my cross to bear. And being free of that was, you know, not only opened up uh, money, like all of a sudden we weren't living paycheck to paycheck anymore. And I shouldn't say all of a sudden because it did take some time, Mm. but also just that worry of, you know, who do I owe? Or is there a debt collector that's going to call or whatever? It was just very stressful. So to let go of that stress was very freeing. And I think one of the surprise benefits is that I became a nicer person. (laughs) Uh, Really, I could think about how I wanted to respond to people versus just being on this autopilot and reacting because I was so busy and crazy. Uh, I left my job after a few years. That was a, a tremendous benefit and gave me the opportunity to, you know, create my own business and to do the creative work that fuels me every day instead of depletes me like the the work I was doing before. Uh, we downsized into a, an apartment more than or more than less than, I don't know if I'm saying this right, but half the size more than half the size of our our home. Uh, and we didn't do that. That was never our intention in the beginning. Uh, but we just got rid of so much stuff that we had too much house. <laughs> and then I think another benefit that I don't talk about a lot, but I think about often is that our daughter, who is getting ready to graduate from college, uh, will graduate debt-free and had an opportunity to really watch us go through that process. You know, she was a preteen when we started. Mm. So she was very aware of the changes we were making. And while they weren't necessarily her idea or her dream, I'm sure like what preteen wants their mom to say, (laughs) Oh, we're not going to go shopping anymore. (laughs) We're going to make some cutbacks. Uh, But it's really helped her 
think about money and stuff and life experiences in a, a very different way because of what she experienced growing up, I think. Wow. Mm. Just as you're talking, Courtney, um, I'm just thinking even like it must have freed up the mind and I don't know another way to say that. Definitely. Yeah. If you're not worrying about debt and you're not worrying about cleaning the house, you know, I mean, obviously you've got a house to clean, but you don't have however many rooms you used to have to clean. So saving the time, you know, it takes me all Saturday morning or whatever to clean my house kind of thing. It must have just given you so much more time back as well. Absolutely. I don't remember the last time I cleaned on a weekend. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I just wow. wouldn't spend my weekends that way. And I, I mean, for me, I was so obsessed. It seemed like for the longest time with making ends meet. Like I always needed to make ends meet. How am I going to make ends meet this month? Whether I was talking about money or my calendar or my health, whatever it was, I just never could seem to get things to come together. And thinking about it and stressing over it was just an enormous uh, weight on my shoulders and my mind and my heart. And I remember very clearly this coming to me as I was cutting up all my store credit cards and canceling them one by one on the phone. Um, instead of making ends meet, I can have fewer ends. And mm. so from then on out, I have just been always looking like, what can we cut? What, what, what am I do, dealing with right now that is not necessary? Because I think we have this habit of busying ourselves so we can either prove that we're productive and valuable to ourselves or to other people. Uh, when in fact, uh, we have so much more to offer when we can connect with our own hearts and minds. And we can't do that when we're overwhelmed. Love that. Yeah, I do. Mm. So just a, a quick question on that topic as well. So you mentioned that you started the journey, uh, you know, that it was uh, a bit of a health crisis that really got you thinking about how you were living or at least got you to the place where you were ready to make a decision about how you were living. Um, how, how has that been? Has, has that really impacted your physical health as well? It has. And I mean, just to back up for a second, it was a major health crisis. I mean, I remember talking with my neurologist and after doing a, you know, reviewing MRIs and him doing a in-office exam, and I could not stand straight and close my eyes without falling over. Mm -hmm. And after reviewing all of that and the, the exams, uh, he said that I was standing on the edge of a cliff, and oh. how, you know, what I decided to do moving forward would determine if I were able to back away from the cliff and live a healthy life, or if I fell right over the cliff wow. and the disease declined rapidly. So between, you know, great uh, medical care and really, I have to give it to simplicity, removing the stress from my life made a huge difference. And today I'm healthier than I was even before I was diagnosed with MS. And that's both, um, you know, clinically uh, by MRI and in person. Wow. Um, I just I got goosebumps when you uh, said you were standing on a cliff. God. Yeah, it was very scary and the the nice thing now is that the things that I'm doing to improve my health don't just apply to MS but to everything. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm rarely sick. I don't remember the last time I took an Advil and I used to eat them like candy. Oh man, that's me. <laughs> yeah. Like always, I'd always have a headache or a muscle ache and I'm not saying I don't get, you know, sore after working out or I don't have the normal, uh, maybe aches and pains occasionally, but nothing that needs medicating. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just much happier. And I think that in itself lends to feeling better. Mm, that's fantastic. Mm. Well, I'm really happy to hear that, you know, that for our listeners as well, because I think, you know, we talk about reframing your life and this, what you've done is just a huge reframe. Like that's why we wanted to have you on because you just, your story is so um, applicable to so many of us. It's mm. just really, in all aspects. Yeah. Jason, yeah. For in sure. all aspects of your life, not just diet and exercise and your work. I mean, you've become an entrepreneur and like, it's phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. And I, I'm glad that I kind of feel like I, I am the, an every person. So the changes that I made weren't, you know, drastic or crazy. I did them with my family. They weren't overnight. It, they were most of them anyway, pretty slow and steady. And it's, it's exciting for me, I guess, to mm. to be able to see that progress and share it and uh, hopefully inspire someone who is thinking maybe I should make a change. I, you've inspired a number of my friends. So um, <laughs> and so before we move on, I know we want to talk about Project 333, but I, I'm curious to learn a little bit more about your family because, like you said, you had a preteen and... Uh, your um, partner at the time had to be part of this. So how did you guys work through that? How did you navigate that? Have a conversation? Big family meeting? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny that you say that because we did have regular meetings, my husband and I, that I um, uh, kind of dorkily named Simplicity Summits. And I would I would email him and invite him, like, we're going to have a Simplicity Summit tomorrow night. Here are the things we can talk about. And it really helped us talk about some of the more challenging things like money, for instance, that you don't want to talk about at the end of a workday or on the phone. So we had to really make time to do that. And that's where we got to reframe our lives together and ask questions like, wouldn't it be crazy if, and then so many things came from that, like, wouldn't it be crazy if we sold our house? Wouldn't it be crazy if I quit my job? Wouldn't it be crazy if we could travel more? Like things that we never considered before. And and I guess, you know, with the, the changes that I was making, a lot of those were personal changes. You know, I was changing my diet and my lifestyle. And I didn't expect my husband or daughter to change theirs. I mean, that's a personal decision. Uh, but they did end up making many changes as well. Um, but not because I was trying to get them on board. Mm. I, I couldn't really focus on what they were doing. I had to focus on me. Mm. I love it. You know, it's such a counterculture message that you're talking about because as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, a lot of even podcasts, I, I'm one of those people that reads a lot of books and magazines and listens to podcasts and often the message that we get is that um, the solution is in more. 
the solution is in getting, you know, more listeners, more followers, more money, more this, more that. And I just love that you're talking about how less has been what's really brought more to your life. More. <laughs> yeah. I mean, more was always my go-to answer. <clears throat> like more debt. Oh, I have to work harder and make more. Mm-hmm. And then I have to spend more because I'm working so hard. So I deserve nice things. And then I have to work more to pay more for those nice things. It was this crazy, vicious circle that I had created based on the more. Like it always had to be more. It didn't occur to me for the longest time uh, to back away and have less. Mm -hmm. Because I think I think that in those in a lot of those messages that you're talking about, you know, we hear that success is defined by more. But once we stop letting other people define what success means to us, I think that it's so easy to let it go. Oh, so let's jump into what I like more of. <laughs> <laughs> and soon we're going to do what Sandy likes more of, but she told me I'm not allowed to go there. Um, Ooh, now I'm curious. Yeah. <laughs> I said to Sandy, did you read her blog about books? <laughs> oh. No, <laughs> we all have our vices. But yes, you are probably best known for Project 333. If any of our listeners aren't aware of that project, can you just explain what that project is about? Yes. Or how so, it came about and how it came about. Yeah. It's a minimalist fashion challenge that I created in 2010. And this is not one of the slow and steady changes that I made. This was <laughs> a challenge that I created for myself because my closet was so out of control. And I knew I needed a little bit of a shakeup. And so I, I put together some rules that I would dress with 33 items or less for three months, including clothing, accessories, jewelry, and shoes. Oh, I'm I twitching. <laughs> I know. Everybody gets crazy when I say shoes. But yes, I counted shoes. But here's what I didn't count. I didn't count underwear loungewear, so something you might wear around the house, but you wouldn't leave the house in. I didn't count sleepwear. And also workout clothes don't count as long as they are working out. So your yoga pants have to go to yoga. They can't just go to the grocery store. If that's that's where they go, mostly they have to count towards your 33. And it was really like, as you call it, a reframe. I wanted to know what it would be like to not open my closet and be faced with all the excess, all the bad purchase decisions, all the clothes that didn't fit me, whether they didn't fit my body or my lifestyle, uh, all the overspending. Like I just didn't want to see it every day. And I wanted to know, you know, what is enough? What is enough for me in this category? And so I chose my 33 items, boxed everything else up and put it out of sight. I didn't get rid of it, just put it out of sight. And within... And I'll tell you, the two days before I started, I was terrified (laughs) because I had announced the challenge on my blog. So I had some immediate accountability and I was working full time and I thought, this is not, there's, this is not going to work. I'm not going to have enough. People are going to notice. I'm going to be this huge failure in this challenge that I created. (laughs) But instead, what happened is within two days, definitely not more than a week, I felt lighter. I felt lighter. I felt more at ease. My mornings were easier. 
I was almost immediately um, more calm. And then the benefits that unfolded from there are incredible. It just went on and on and on. You know, the the easy stuff, like I saved money because I wasn't shopping for at least three months. Uh, I saved a ton of time because I wasn't scouring, you know, for sales or shopping and visiting my favorite items, waiting for them to go on sale. So I know if you have closet issues, I feel your pain. I was there. For sure. <laughs> I was a professional shopper, I'd like to think. Uh, but it once I kind of broke up with that, uh, that part of me and stopped shopping to ease the pain of boredom or disappointment or whatever it was, or shop to celebrate. I did that too. So I could shop if I was sad or happy, like every <laughs> ready. But when I let that go, it just freed up so much mental energy and got pretty clear about the fact that I didn't really love shopping or clothes. You know, and you said you got pretty clear that you didn't love shopping or clothes. That feels like, how did that happen to me? Because Joanne and I both like clothes. I feel like I've <laughs> made some progress. I've been trying to do Project 333 for two years now. It's really a slow process for me. I think I'm down <laughs> to about 45 right now, things in my closet for, I'm going to really try 45 things in the next three months. But I still love clothes. Like I can't imagine making the shift to where I feel like I don't love clothes. Yeah, I mean, and maybe it. I don't expect everyone to have the same experience that I have, and I know people don't. Uh, people experience a lot of different things, but I have talked to a lot of people who, and again, this is probably not the case for you, but people who say, but what if I love shopping? And uh, my response is always, maybe you don't know what you love. Mm-hmm. And I know that's what it was for me because I was focused on, you know, finding relief through shopping all the time and rewarding myself through shopping. And when it really came down to it, you know, what wasn't I doing? What didn't I know about what I loved because I didn't have the time or money to try other things? Uh, so that was a big aha moment for me. Wow. And I mean, I don't. I, I I still get dressed every day. I mean, I still wear clothes, uh, and you and no one that that didn't know about Project Three Thirty Three would know or notice that I'm dressing with less. They would never. They wouldn't pick up on that. So it's not obvious to someone who isn't already kind of tuned into what's going on. Yeah, I guess you have a point there. It's, when I watched the documentary and, and was was doing some more learning about you, the first thing I kind of went to, so feel free to challenge, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm open to considering, <laughs> um, is that clothes is my way of expressing myself. I love you know, that. Yeah, and, and is it because I want people to go, oh, you look cool? Perhaps it is because I'm expressive and I want them to say how cool I look. <laughs> But it's also, I like to buy very different clothes and unique clothes. So it's part of my expression of my personality. So what's holding me back right now is, I mean, of course, I could choose 33 very unique and different clothes, I'm sure. But I also like, I get bored. So I like to change things up as well. 
which is also part of my expression of my personality. So what I'm sure I'm not the first person who's asked you these questions. So what do you say to people like me who want to express our personalities through clothes or perhaps get a bit bored? Yeah, there I mean there are two those are two different things, although right. sometimes they can be two sides of the same coin. But yeah. I would say when we're when we're looking at the expression, I have had people ask me this before, either I want to express my personality or my creativity. I'm very create creative this is the way I express my creativity. And I understand that because I'm a creative person as well. Mm-hmm. And I used to do the same kind of thing. Like, what's my signature thing? I'd really give a lot of thought to that. Or what's my, you know, what am I saying with this particular mm-hmm. piece? But when I stopped thinking about that, um, <laughs> when I stopped thinking about that, I was able to be much more creative in my writing in my work, oh. in my conversations, um, there, there's not just this one way to express ourselves. And I would highly doubt that if we met in person and I was wearing uh, a white button-down shirt and jeans and a blazer or not, you know, just very mm. no color, that at the end of our conversation, you would say, oh my gosh, she's such a dud. There's nothing creative or expressive about her. <laughs> I don't think you'd be judging me based on my clothes. Yeah, right. Yeah. And the other thing is when someone, and I'm not suggesting that this is your, um, this is you or mm-hmm. anyone you know, but yeah. someone could come to the table with, you know, all the crazy clothes on and I might have a hard time getting past that to really get mm-hmm. to know you. Because you want me to see who you are by what you're wearing, but I want to see who you are by what's inside. Mm. Uh, and I don't want any distractions from that. So I'm, I'm happy to work with it, but it may be distracting for people to really get to know you as well. Yeah. Uh, and then the boredom stuff, it comes from, I think boredom is pain, to be honest. I think boredom is painful and we do whatever we can to remedy that so that we're not bored. So we either jump online or we go shopping or we have a drink or it's just like many other pain, painful emotions. Uh, we don't like to be bored. Mm-hmm. But if we let ourselves be bored and then a little curious, who knows what will come from that? And, you know, again, the reframing, asking the questions. If I'm bored, instead of shopping my way out of it, which believe me, I know how to do that. Uh, but I was bored again pretty quickly. And I would say it's not just, you know, oh, I'm bored because I've worn this scarf five times. It's a bigger boredom Mm. that I would try to fight with shopping. Mm. Uh, And if I'm honest with myself and I ask, take the time and say, well, why are you bored? How do you want to spend your time? How do you really want to spend your time? I never gave myself permission to ask that question before. It's a big question. And once you realize you get to ask yourself that and you have permission to answer it any way you want, I would bet in almost every situation that you're not going to end up at the mall or a boutique. Mm. Mm. Yeah, the the short-term satisfaction versus the long-term happiness regarding the, board, the, the purchase, the quick purchase. Right. That came up in the minimalism too. And I'm sure, Sandy, Sandy we've spoken about that on a podcast before. I, I think know, we have, yes. <laughs> or related to food or whatever, you know, short-term satisfaction versus, hey, what's our end goal here? And um, Yeah, okay. Yeah, thanks. Give me, giving me some things to, to consider. You asked me to challenge you. Yeah, no, absolutely. 
Where did the 33 come from? Uh, 33 was a number that I came up with based on some lists that I made early on, just trying to determine what I thought I would need. Um, because I was working, you know, I had to really be dressed up for work where I was usually dressed down outside of work. I knew I'd need probably something, uh, semi-formal to wear if there was an event that came up. And then I looked at the things that I used on a day-to-day basis, like sunglasses and a purse, um, you know, perhaps a bracelet, things like that. And it looked like, I could be pretty comfortable between, not comfortable, challenged, I should say, between mm-hmm. like 27 and 40 items. But I really liked the the simplicity of 333. It was going to be three months. So I thought, why not? We'll jump in at 33. And again, this is a challenge. So mm-hmm. all of the things I'm saying may completely not apply to you, but you'll never know unless you challenge yourself and experiment. So three months, I mean, that goes by in a flash. Mm. And if even if you discover that 55 or 105 is the right number for you, I can guarantee you will walk away with other lessons that, that you just won't expect. Mm. Well, I am in. I, I am signing on for the next three months. <laughs> yes. It will be under 40. Um, I can count all my shoes as one, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave that to you. So, Sandy, when are you doing this? So, I'll be doing this. I'm going to do the next three months, actually. I'm going Ooh. to set myself up for the challenge. So, I've been looking at my wardrobe for the spring, and I'm I'm really going to commit to it. I think I'll probably be closer to 40, but I'm in. I'm in, Courtney. Okay. That's great. Okay. Well, if you're doing it, then I can do it with you. <laughs> So I'm coming up to going on vacation and so I went into my summer wardrobe and out of my 10 pairs of shorts, I couldn't decide which ones to take, right? So I I get it fundamentally, absolutely. So I'm I'm curious. I would just say consider it a, a vacation from those decisions that you have to make around clothes, whether they be packing decisions or what to wear in the morning or you know, whether you need to say yes or no to an email offer that comes through. I mean, if you make this commitment, then you know the answer is always no. That's easy. We'll we'll put it on Facebook how we're we're managing so that people (laughs) know. Oh, God, it's out there. Yeah, put it out there. That accountability makes a huge difference. (laughs) It's great. So I have an area, so just to move away from the clothing, because I know that's a big part of what you do, but there's other areas of our life as well that I think are really... Um, causing us to not feel like our lives are very simple. And the one, one of the ones for me is technology. And I just wonder what kinds of boundaries or things you've put in place in your life to help you in keeping technology in, in uh, its simplest way in your life. Cause I'm sure you've given that some thought. Oh, I've given it some thought. All right. (laughs) I have a a really a love hate relationship with technology because I love it because it allows me to stay in touch with people I love and run my business. I mean, my business is mostly online and definitely technology dependent. Uh, But it's also a struggle because even though the internet is open for 24 hours a day, I'm not open for 24 Mm. hours a day or seven days a week. Uh, so there is a little bit of a 
a struggle sometimes. I need to carefully set boundaries for myself, uh, which include uh, digital sabbaticals, so unplugging for 24 hours or more at a time uh, whenever I can. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important. Uh, and having chunks of time during the day when you're totally unplugged. So whether that's just leaving and going for a walk or shutting everything down and working out of a notebook. Uh, We used to do that back in the day. (laughs) I don't think it was even that long ago. Uh, But things like that, uh, turning my phone off at night and not keeping most social platforms on my phone. Uh, Instagram is an exception because I think it's, I don't even know how to do it otherwise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then watching my my checks. So I think we check things way more than we act on them. Like we check email or check Facebook or we just do this all that's checking. And all we're doing is absorbing all this information that we can't possibly retain or process. And then two hours later or two days later when we sit down to take action, we have to go through it all again because nothing's happened in the meantime. So I uh, periodically um, mostly have email off my phone um, completely unless I'm traveling for extended periods of time. Uh, I take things like, um, for instance, Facebook uh, off my phone. Mm. I I don't know. I, I just never use it on my phone. And so for me, it's just a boredom thing. It's just like shopping. I'm bored. So I'm going to flip through a hundred Facebook updates, none of which I care about. Don't Mm -hmm. care, don't care, don't care. But still it relieves the boredom. So I don't have to be curious. I don't have to ask questions. I don't have to try something new. And just really being mindful of how, how I am engaging. So When I'm on Twitter, for instance, I'm not on Facebook at the same time, or I'm not checking email at the same time that I'm writing a blog post. Uh, I try to keep things one at a time uh, online. All that said, I slip and slide just like everyone else and have to regroup and pull myself back and start over. Yeah, I have a love-hate relationship as well. And I also have this kind of fear of missing out on information. I feel challenge that we have to be on social media like you are trying to put in those boundaries it's very hard to stick to them though very hard to stick to them it can be but I think if you really start questioning that fear of missing out like what have you ever missed on the internet or social media that you regret today Mm. is there anything I, I mean I can't think of anything And I'm Mm. away from it a bunch, and I can't think of anything that I missed. Um, Same for travel. I mean, I've been to a lot of places, and I I see a fraction of what's offered in in any city. Uh, But I don't remember what I missed. I remember what I engaged in. So I remember, like, the cute coffee shop that I had a chance to sit and, and read in for a little while, or a yoga studio I popped into and took a class or the amazing walk I did and how beautiful the city was or this one person that I met. But I I don't really think of it in terms of, I should have gone in that museum or I should have done that or because why? Yeah. 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 It's about being more present, isn't it? Like really curate your social feeds and your inbox. I mean, I Mm -hmm. think that we, we sign up for things all the time or even if it's once in a while, but at, at the end of a year, 
we're just slammed with all the stuff. We don't even remember why we signed up for it. And for some reason, we feel obligated to stay signed up and just keep hitting delete, delete, delete. Instead, just unsubscribe or unfriend or unfollow. It's okay. We're allowed to do that. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Wow, great. I I just I'm making notes like crazy here as you're talking, like just little (laughs) things you're saying that are just so helpful for me. And I, I know for people listening as well. Um, I have a few more questions, though. So one of the barriers that I think you probably have heard this one as well is um, when people are trying to simplify their lives, what if they're living with someone who isn't really into that? So, you know, you you said you were doing these evenings where you would have your... um, your nights where you would invite your family to come and talk about what you're going to simplify. What if there's, there's just not any interest in doing that at all in your, in that situation? How do you handle that? I think it's okay. I don't think there's any relationship where both partners are always on the same page at the same time with every interest or activity. Um, My husband's a cyclist. I don't enjoy bike riding much at all. Uh, so he can still ride his bike and I don't have to, mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, if there's something I really like writing, he doesn't like writing so much. Uh, so when it comes to something like this, where it really impacts the entire family or it can, I recommend in the beginning, just staying your own course and, and focus on your own stuff because it is so easy to immediately be like, well, He's got way more stuff in his closet than I do (laughs) and focus on his stuff. But in the beginning, I had plenty. I had plenty to do. I had work to do for years. (laughs) I never needed to look in his direction. Uh, But when I talked about it, when I talked about decluttering or living more simply, I didn't talk about the task, uh, the chore, what we had to do. I talked about the why. You know, what did I want out of this? Why was I interested? What might come of it? you know, things like that. And so in, you know, in time, he was curious about some things. And, you know, while I may have always been a little more interested in letting go and simplifying, I I tried to keep in mind that we're doing this as a family. And so if I go off in a crazy direction and like throw all our stuff in a dumpster, that's not going to cause better connection and less stress. That's going to make everyone mad. So I had to really think about it in terms of A, my stuff, and then B, you know, what's best for us as a family. And that's going to look different for everyone. Uh, but it's, it's really, again, focusing on the benefits, having gentle conversations, and just remembering that it takes time. And you didn't fall in love with this person because they are, are leading a simple life. There were many other reasons. And you stay focused on that. And eventually, I mean, from the from a lot of the stories I hear, and definitely in my experience, we we come together, and and pursue a life that we're both interested in. And so it's talking about what is that life? It's not for us anyway. It wasn't like oh, we want to live a simple life. Uh, we wanted to travel more. We wanted to um, put our daughter through school loan free. We wanted to do a lot of other things. And that required, uh, I mean, I could call it a sacrifice, making some sacrifices, although it never really felt like sacrifice. 
Okay, so Courtney, if somebody, so I'm just imagining someone's just starting and they're listening. This is the first time they've really thought about simplifying their life. <laughs> Where do you start? Like, how would, what would you say to someone? This is like a good place to begin. Tell, tell Sandy you start with the books. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were, I thought I was just coasting right by that yeah. one. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm saving that for later. Yeah. Uh, there are so many different places to start. And mm. I almost don't think it matters where you start, but that you start and that you recognize that small progress is still progress. So start anywhere. If And it may help to really think about the priority, like what is, the thing that complicates your life the most right now and, and give that some attention. If it's the, the clutter in your home, maybe start there. If it's the money issues, you know, start an emergency fund or start paying down some debt, wherever that is for you, that's the place that I start. You cannot do it wrong uh, because it all takes some time and it's a process. Chances are some of these things are going to be overlapping from time to time. But for me, it was, you know, so for me, for instance, the first thing I wanted to do was change my diet. And simplicity wasn't really even in my vocabulary then. Uh, minimalism, I had no idea what that meant outside of the context of art. So I wasn't thinking in that vein. I was thinking, what is the one thing I have to do to live healthier right now? And that was to change my diet. And the next thing was, what do, what's the next thing I could do to reduce stress in my life? And that was get rid of these money problems, get rid of the debt. And it, almost simultaneously, it was the clutter because it, they kind of serve each other. You're not shopping. You're not bringing stuff in. It's a perfect time to get stuff out because if you're decluttering and then you're shopping to refill the empty spaces – which I've done that before too, like spring cleaning. Yay. Let's get rid of all the old stuff and then we'll fill it with all the new stuff. Uh, doesn't work. doesn't work. Uh, so yeah, start somewhere one thing at a time, give yourself all the time you need. And then when it feels like the new normal, start another thing. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. When it feels like the new normal. Okay. So I think I've just had an aha moment. My, my debt is my house debt. So I guess I have debt, but I don't have what, what is it called? Um, Probably consumer debt. Yeah, consumer debt. Like yeah. we, we, I, I don't buy things on credit and stuff. So, so I haven't felt the need to challenge myself in that way. But, but now as you, as we talk, I have the guilt of all the money I'm spending on clothes when it could be spent on something. Like when I open my cupboard, that's a lot of clothes and a lot of money. So, how you framed that? Start with what is maybe most challenging you I'm like hmm, okay so it's not necessarily about the dead it's more about the feelings of oh, yeah where's the money all, going I gotta wear all these clothes because I paid all this money for them yeah. right sorry I just had to jump in with that one Sandy no it's no, a great I observation and I'd recommend I mean if you want a real uh, motivation to to stick with the challenge you know as you're sorting through your closet go ahead and take a calculator and add up oh, what you've spent totally completely what you've spent. And then ask yourself if somebody handed me that dollar amount right now, would I go out and buy all this stuff back? Mm. Yeah. And, and I think that's how I was justifying. Well, I don't have debt in clothes. So I'm like, I don't look at it and go, oh, sure. debt, but absolutely. I look at it in a different way now and go, because huh, we love travel and we love experiences and, 
but we like to think we can do it all and yeah fascinating yeah. is it do you have a no-go zone um like is there anywhere like do you have hobbies where it's like okay i can buy as many sewing materials as i want or i don't actually because i mean usually i need way less than i think in any yeah. area that i'm participating in and it doesn't mean that i don't buy things uh but hmm. nothing's off limits hmm. in terms of simplifying if i can That's not even books <laughs> let's stop that stop stop <laughs> I have a book problem so I I like to read and I like to learn and I do use the library a lot so I yeah, you do. I do try mm. to first check my library but if if I'm you know my challenge is it's boredom so when I'm I'm feeling bored or maybe not quite things aren't happening in my life then I feel like I need more information I'm going to get another book and that's going to be the solution. <laughs> I, I don't have a problem with books. Uh, the problem, or I don't have a problem with buying books, supporting authors, mm. uh, sharing books. The, the issue is if you're holding on to them for the wrong reason, like I used to have bookshelves and bookshelves of books and I moved them around the, the country. Uh, but why I, it was rare and there were a couple, but rare that I would go and reread a book. Right. So it was almost like this sort of like um, earlier we were talking about expressing yourself by how you dress and wanting mm -hmm. people to think of us in a, in a certain way. I think we do that with our books a little bit. Like, look at all the books I read. I'm so smart. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> and and now I don't have bookshelves or I mean, I might have 10 or 12 books that I'm actively using and I probably have five that I'm not, but they'll be gone soon enough. Uh, I got rid of all my books uh, before we moved, before we downsized, uh, mostly because they were one of the last things I simplified because, again, I was with you. I love books. Mm. I'm not touching these books. That was a no-go zone for a bit. Uh, and then I realized, wait, I'm not going to slow down my reading habit. I'm just not going to carry around all this extra weight. So okay. Sandy, you do go back to your books and reread them. Maybe some of them. Some of them. Yeah, obviously not all. I probably have like five hundred right behind me. Right now, so oh, I don't yeah. Know. She has a lot of books, and then she goes to the library. Yeah, it's awesome. So that was it. Was funny as we were doing the. Re I, yeah, funny you didn't read that blog, Sandy. I know I didn't <laughs> see that blog. So, all right, I get it. I'm going to. Um, <laughs> do a little reframing around books in my life. I get it. Okay. <laughs> Courtney, I want, we're going to wrap up because I know mm. that, um, you know, you have uh, other places to be in. <laughs> we could we're talk for hours. We could talk to you for a couple hours. I want I want to talk a little bit at the end here about your soul centered business school, because, you know, both Joe and and I are um, solopreneurs and um, very interested in creating our our own work around you know what's meaningful to us and I I saw that your soul-centered business school is full and it's obviously tapping into something and I just thought it might be very interesting for our listeners to hear about that as well sure well it's actually closed right now it was full when we ran it last year and I do plan to run it again maybe a little bit differently but I was really looking because I've done some coaching, some one-on-one -on -one coaching and 
uh, created some, you know, smaller courses with resources and uh, information, but I wanted something where I could go a little bit deeper and really help people who wanted to create work that not only interested them, but was them, was really a reflection of themselves. And I found so often in the jobs that I took and the work that I did that I became my work and I became the person I was supposed to be for that particular job. Uh, And this way I have been able to choose work that becomes me. So I get to know myself first and then understand what my gifts are and then figure out how to put them out in the world. And being able to teach that, teaching people how to become more soul-centered and then how to create businesses around that has been really a dream of mine and Mm -hmm. such a joy to be able to do last year for the 100 women that joined. Mm -hmm. Actually, I think there were 98 women and two men. Uh And I want to be able to open it up to more people uh, this year. So I'm recreating the course and putting something a little bit different together, uh, but with the same core principles and action steps. That's Mm. great. Yeah. Keep keep us um, posted. And and on that note, what else is coming up for you in your your business and in your world? Yeah, there's a couple of really exciting things. Uh, One is going on right now and started last year um, called the Tiny Wardrobe Tour, where I'm actually visiting 33 cities with my tiny wardrobe. Mm -hmm. And I will be in Canada in August. Uh, I don't know quite where, when, what, how yet, but I will be there um, uh, in a few different cities. And I did 16 last year, so have 17 planned this year. And the second thing uh, that has also really been uh, something that I have dreamed about for a long time is uh, I am launching a book in the fall. And that will uh, be available either in September, October, or November. I don't know yet. Uh, We're in the editing process right now. So I'm very excited about that. Mm. Well, you know, I'll be buying it. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that. And then she'll she'll re-gift it to someone else. Yes, we have a lot of those little neighborhood libraries in my city, so um, I'll put it in there. So I love those. So So I do too. I am obsessed. I think they're fantastic. I take pictures of them whenever I see them. Oh, I'll send you one of the one we have in our neighborhood. It's it's just amazing. It's made a lot of magazines. It's so beautiful. Oh, please do. Yes. Great. Well, we want to thank you so much, Courtney, for being on. And we will put, um, I know people can find your websites, bemorewithless.com. And your Instagram account is, is that the same? At at bemorewithless. Yep. I'm at bemorewithless almost everywhere. Okay. Mm. And we'll put links in our show notes and on our Facebook page and um, all the places we promote our podcasts. But Joanne and I, want to thank you for being on reframe your life and i feel like our listeners and and joanne and i as well have a lot of reframing to do after this podcast so thank you yeah thank you i really enjoyed our chat great okay life reframers if you've got any thoughts comments leave them on our facebook page or don't forget to give us a rating on itunes thank you 
Hi Life Reframers, did you enjoy our episode today? If so, please leave a review on iTunes or Google Play. Also check us out on all our social media avenues via reframeyourlife.ca.